Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. So let me just give his petition one second. <laughs> yeah, you're good, man. Um, with Mr. Jonathan Otto, there's probably no way I could butcher that last name, Otto. But um, sure. you actually, before we start recording, you actually, just for everybody listening, you actually presented a, an angle on this I hadn't thought of before. And it really is, it's a direct violation of a human being's sovereignty under God. Kind of the whole, you know, we're not granted liberties from the government. It's our God-given right. We are sentient beings. We are free from rule under one another. And that's kind of an angle I can honestly say I never considered with this before. But before I keep rambling, Please introduce yourself, my man. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Sure. So Jonathan Otto, and I am privileged to be here with you, Tommy. I am a, certainly a lover of of humanity, and I my background has been in humanitarianism. I have worked uh, since the age of about 17 across in, in different countries from Africa to Asia and really cared about uh, developing world issues because it relates to human suffering. And so... Australian government uh, awarded me as Young Citizen of the Year and International Ambassador of the Year for my contributions and recognizing those contributions to humanity, um, irrespective of any um, communication I had with them. So it was noticed. Um, And now I think it's just an interesting situation that we're in where we are finding myself, I'm finding myself in in a situation where in order to help people and make sure that we're not in a state of suffering and uh, either physical poverty or poverty of health or uh, suffering uh, that people understand what's going on so they can navigate. And so uh, my background as an investigative journalist, I would cover these issues developing countries. I then became very acutely interested in health subjects because I could see how much people were suffering. And then I delved then into all the things that people can do to, to have like abundant health and overcome. So over the past, uh, five years, I've just on my own platforms had a a few million people register for my films, tens of millions of people watch my films. And we have been leaders in the natural health space. And that's my mission to end suffering. So to go from there, what what is your take on it as uh, this is kind of an affront to our our individual liberties is not even not to not to cast them aside, but not even like the Nuremberg Code or the Constitution or or what or Geneva Conventions, but kind of more of a, a religious aspect because you said that you you know you you do have a, a great understanding of sort of like religious history and religions of the world. What what is your mindset on that? What is your opinion? Because like I said, I had I genuinely never thought of that angle before. I've been looking at it from having McCullough and Malone or having on lawyers or having on historians. I hadn't looked at it from that angle. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having interest in that. So for me, some of the study and interest uh, is looking at what's the actual issue at stake. So when you look at it at a surface level, you'd say, well, medical freedom. And it's it's about, you know, should we take this or that? And is this about a, a virus? And what's the best treatment? Is there natural immunity? Are there better treatments to COVID? 
Uh, so that's that whole conversation, which is a great conversation. It's a very important one. Uh, ironically, it's a surface level conversation. When I say surface level, it's the most important surface level conversation because it pertains to physical life. But in terms of the actual play of the mechanisms that are at work, it then steps into another realm of, uh, for example, uh, personal and religious uh, freedom and civil freedom, uh, the ability to be able to uh, do things according to your own conscience. So people are familiar with a concept like liberty of speech or freedom of speech. Uh, and it's interesting that if you go back 500 years, you'll find that the battle was fought over something like freedom of speech, but it was one step deeper than that. It was liberty of conscience, so freedom of thought. And that was what people were being burnt alive for at the state during the Dark Ages. And that was the culmination in the 1500s with Martin Luther standing before the Diet of Worms in Germany, declaring that I cannot go against my conscience for a Christian. It is unsafe. Here I stand. I can do no other. So help me God. And that was as he was then prepared to be uh, burnt alive for what he just said. And knowing that it wasn't about oh, well, I don't want to take this substance because I've read the safety studies and I don't want to put this in my body because I think the natural immunity is better. It was a conversation deeper than that. It was, I don't believe that I want to do this. I just don't believe. I don't even need to give you a reason. I yes. just don't want to do this. I choose not to do this because that's part of my God-given right because I'm a, I'm a child of God. And this was the, this was the whole point, whereas I'm a child of God sovereign under God, and I'm not a product of the state. And that was the central battle that was fought then. And it goes back thousands of years where um, kings and rulers uh, or religious systems or organizations and structures would say, our citizens are the property of the state. And what, what people that had faith or religious views or various faiths of the world, particularly obviously Christianity being at the forefront of this type of conversation was we are sovereign under God. And so, therefore, we will not concede to anything, even if it's to wear this or do that. It's it's a much different conversation. So that's a little insight to it. That's I'm so happy you said that. That's been my logic, and you know, I haven't got the COVID vaccine. Now, granted, I've I've I had I had the original COVID in August 2020. I have Omicron right now. Uh, I'm also 31 and a healthy male. But I'm telling you all that voluntarily. When people ask me, like, have you had the COVID vaccine? That's, that's private information. But no, I have not. Why not? I don't want it. Now, I could say, well, I've interviewed Dr. McCullough and Malone, and they both said that uh, someone like me with my experiences and me having COVID, I don't need it. But no, no, no. It's more of, um, no. You know, knock on your door. Can I come in? No. Why? Because no. This is my home. Yeah. End of the end. And that I do think it is sort of dangerous that we're sort of slipping into a, well, I have natural immunity, so I'm allowed. No, 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 no. Whether or not we have the COVID passport or whether or not you or your vaccine passport or whether you have your natural immunity passport or whether you can say, here's my dissolved oxygen level and here's my resting heart rate and I can run a mile. No, 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 no. It's this is Tommy. This is Jonathan. This is Bob. I'm going to do me, you do you, you do you. End yeah. of story. At your end of yeah. at the end. Good to see you guys. Have a nice life. And that that's my mindset entirely is just nothing. You don't you don't need to know anymore. Cuz this is me. So you got it. Yeah. You got it. And and what I'll do with you Tommy is throw in some throw a spanner into your your spokes and just try right. this right now. 
okay, under that logic, could we then say, well, if I want to take somebody's life, well, that's just me. That's my choice. I want to do that. So then then this comes up to, so what are the things that we can self-govern, we can make our own choices on? And what are the things that, no, we must be legislated to do certain things or not do certain things? For example, uh, if, if I think it's right for me to take your life, to kill you, sure. then then can I just do that? Because that's my autonomous, sovereign right under God to take your life. And I would say, well, I mean, you know, you can answer that yourself. But so then what's the differentiator? What are the things that we can choose for ourselves and what are the things that we can't? It's an interesting concept. It's the autonomy of your own kingdom of your body. And I would say, mm. I would say relentless and uh, no explanation needed to defend yourself. I yeah. think that's what it is, is it's, we have our little, I, I mean, I truly have like the surface level of like my epithelial cells and everything inside. This is Tommy's kingdom. You yeah. have yours. I can believe mm-hmm. what I want. I can say what I want. But, um, you know, it's kind of it's kind of like what Timothy Leary said uh, during the 60s when kind of dawning of the psychedelic age. And he said there are two two commandments for the molecular age. Thou shall not prohibit anyone from putting any substance in their own body, meaning, hey, man, if you want to go trip acid, you're allowed to do that. Number two, thou shall not force anyone to put any substance in their body, meaning it's not cool to slit people acid. So as Terrence McKenna said, if the words life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness don't apply to my own consciousness, then the Declaration of Independence is not worth the hemp paper it's written on. So it's very much for me, it's, I mean, it's quite simple is... I'm me and I'll do me. You're you and you do you. I think any other violation of that transcends nation, national laws, whether it's, whether it's 3,000 years ago, whether you're a pharaoh or whether it's 1,000 years from now and you live on Mars. I don't care what the international law is. What the per- this is mine and that's yours. And I do think that that is something that regardless if you're religious or not, maybe you're not, maybe you're not religious, then it's not your God given. It's your universal. It's your, it's your mother Gaia given. It's your biologically given autonomy. You are your own kingdom. And I, I, I firmly, and that's like, that's the hill I'll die on. Yeah, no, I follow you. And I think that there's lots of sound uh, principles and concepts in your logic with that, Tommy. And I think it's interesting Though, like, for example, and we won't get derailed on this unless that's what you really want. Care, dude. But um, there's, there's no there's no structure. Just you love it. Take it wherever you want. dude. Yeah, yeah go for it. Yeah, there, I like there it. There are no rails. Okay, there there are. So, you cannot go off any rails if the rails never existed. There you go. No, I appreciate that. Well, it's interesting that you bring up uh, Timothy Leary. Uh, he was a do- devotee of Alistair Crowley. I have some I have some apprehensions um on 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 him you know but but again like i think but i think that those certain points you bring up they have some sound concepts uh crowley's point of do what thou wilt that shall be the whole of the law has been said to be the the fabric of pop culture the mm-hmm. the underpinnings of how it, basically he was able to erode 70 years of it well in 70 years the Judeo-Christian values were like basically completely eroded. And I think it's actually led to this situation that we're in because when you create a society that is purely uh, channeled based off their, their wants and their passions, which is to do what thou want, do do what thou wilt, uh, wilt, that shall be the whole of the law is to, 
to completely follow your unbridled passions versus to do what is good for the benefit of others. And that will also be good for you and, you know, do what is good for you. It's like, for example, um, you know, delighted mean, I will give you the desires of your heart. When that Bible verse, the word desire means um, D is from and then sire, the father. So from the father, it's basically saying there's a, there's a higher truth and absolute um, uh, entity or being or source of all things that we serve and to, to do according to that, that and to serve God is the greatest, uh, desire. And then from that, all the desires that we have are actually good desires. They actually are, are, are things that are beneficial for others and beautiful and enrich us and make us feel good. But, uh, it's all, you know, governed by, uh, understanding and having a relationship with, the divine. Uh, so anyway, lots of interesting uh, nuances in that. Oh yeah, no, and yeah, no. For, I don't, I don't, I don't co-sign everything Timothy Leary said. He was, yeah, he yeah. Also worked for. The I C- think he was a real, real like dark soul, to be honest. Yeah, and, dude, he worked for the yeah, CIA. He, I mean, come on now, you can't be. Come on now, you, he's not Bob. Wasn't Ramos. he Winona Ryder's godfather? I don't know. Probably. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, it's, and and there's some images of them together that don't look good. Just saying. Yeah, man. I mean, um, Alan Watts was a beautiful philosopher, but he was also an alcoholic who cheated on his wife and was not good to his kids. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, uh, Hitler practiced uh, stoicism because his dad used to beat him until he wet his bed. You know, do I? Do I, am I on the side of Hitler? No, but I also understand the sort of accepting a situation as it is. So, you know, you, yeah, you yeah. can't throw the baby out with the bathwater, but yeah, no, well, I mean, true. There, there's, there's a picture of Winona Ryder and her godfather, Timothy Leary. I don't like the photo. I don't know if you like it. No, I don't. Timothy Leary. Yeah, I hate that photo. But, and the fact that she grew up in the woods with, with him and, um, uh, Aldous Huxley, who wrote Brave yeah, New World, yeah, and, and then you doors go, "Oh, wow, these guys knew the future so well." Or were they a part of creating it? Yeah, just saying. Yeah, no doors. Of, I mean, or, or on the other side, Brave New World is other great book, Doors of Perception, which was more about opening the mind through mescaline. So, with all, but of, what I'm saying is that the book Brave New World was all about not predicting, but helping to create that world because they were yeah. a part of the think tank behind it. Like Alistair Crowley, when he wrote in Book of the Law in 1905. Uh, that there would be come an age of hallucinogenic drugs, of a free sex movement, and a strange type of music. And he writes that at the end of the Victorian era. He's completely predicting, but not just predicting. He's laying, laying it's his it's his values that are laying the framework. And that you you see uh, Alistair Crowley in the front cover of Sergeant Pat Pepper's album of the Beatles. You see him. You see Led Zeppelin purchase his castle. Uh, Jimmy uh, Page then go and live in his castle in Scotland. Uh, and then you realize these were actually devotees. Some of these people were devotees of Alistair Crowley, meaning that they, even though they didn't live during his time, he died in like the mid uh, 1940s, they were like basically his messengers or prophets, uh, people that would help to create the fabric of that which was written in his writings. And in his own books, he talked about child sacrifice of hundreds of children and, and personally talks about these things and more graphic things that I'd be willing to detail in, in this podcast yeah yeah i don't care we can go for it yeah no it, uh, well so, i just don't want to say i just i don't want to darken people's minds i just choose not to but that's yeah, enough right I've, you see I've, what i mean I've, I've interviewed i've interviewed people from win this fight and safe house project who actively work against the trafficking of child sex slaves and their torture and rape we've gotten pretty dark on this podcast it's it's fine but to kind of what you're saying do it thou wilt versus you know doing doing what is good Let's just play devil's advocate. You could argue do what thou wilt also means 
I'll protect myself at all costs. And whether you're going to come into my house with a gun or whether you're going to come up to me with a syringe and say, you're taking this, that you're taking this concoction that we want to classify for 75 years, I'll defend myself. Or is Which it- thankfully got pushed back with yeah, uh, yeah. Aaron Siri. Yeah, so, yeah, but I mean, even, you know. But yeah, but yeah, like, you, got, you got the point. Yeah, I mean, same thing with, you know, I don't agree with him at all. Like Anton LaVey, like I become like I become like the beast in the field. Like none of these things are things I prescribe to. But yeah. whether we're talking about personal autonomy or for the greater good, to me, it all comes down to there is we always we always like to champion. You know what I mean, we I mean, more so kind of current culture we like to champion the minority groups right the comically called like the oppression olympics like all right well you're black but you're muslim and you're in a wheelchair but you're in a wheelchair and you're trans and it's like we try to find these minorities that become untouchable and to me there is and this isn't my thought but i'm just i'm just plagiarizing it is there is no greater or there is no more unique minority than the individual, not just in a special snowflake sense, but I mean, literally, genomically, you have, you have a unique genetic code with mutations seen in it, never before seen in human history. You, Jonathan Otto, me, Tommy Kerrigan, Dr. McCullough, Joe Biden, Donald Trump, we are the ultimate minority. Each of us is the most, the most unique minority that there's never been one before. So, to me, regardless of the, the mode of, of justification, talking about, you know, the purity of our desires or do what thou wilt, to me, it's very much so you are you. And whether that's from God or from biological evolution or anything, th- that is a sanctity that no one, sure. no one can take from you. And then you could get into, all right, well, what if Jonathan Otto tries to kill Tommy and then Tommy kills him? Was that justified? Because now I have taken your, that's a whole, I guess you can go on a whole rabbit hole of that. But to me, it does come down to our our very freedom to choose what we are. So again, to use this example, when people say, I don't need the vaccine passport, I have natural immunity. No, what that is, is you're still submitting. You're still providing. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. You're still providing permission to participate in society. No. Wow. None. I'm really glad you brought that up. That is fascinating. It's a good point. And, and this is why the, the religious liberty concept is so powerful. And there's a couple of things that people should be aware of. One of them is that the, uh, you, could look, you could look it up. Uh, the Roman Catholic saint of pandemics happens to be called Saint Corona, whose remains are in northern Italy. There are some conflicting reports, but according to the Diocese of Lansing, it is, you know, that is largely known as the, the, the patron saint of pandemics um, uh, from the what, third century, like yeah, anyway, back, 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 back. Uh, so it's not a recent uh, finding. And then you have uh, un- unusual things. For example, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci a number of times quotes his uh, allegiance and success to and attributes it to the Jesuit order of all things, yeah. uh, which is just a very strange thing that people should think about because the the Jesuit order have been banished from over 80 countries. And again, I'm not talking about like, oh, like I know a Jesuit, he's a nice guy or there's yeah. a great Jesuit that I, school that I went to. I'm not talking about that. Talking about uh, certain people that are within certain organizations doing certain things and historically. First, the bad news. 
SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos, but it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations so you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. I have had agendas to to tear things apart. And you look at the oath, or let's say the um, some of the manifesto, it's very much a very communistic uh, surrender of all personal property. Uh, the Illuminati of Bavaria, for example, mm-hmm. founded by Adam Weishaupt, mm-hmm. he was an ex-Jesuit, but there's no really such thing as an ex-Jesuit because it is a, you read the oath from early 1500s, it says that, that I will be uh, strangled, flailed, um, uh, yeah, be torn in pieces if I break this oath. Uh, so you can't be an ex-Jesuit if you understand the process that the people sign in, signed into in those days. Again, I can't vouch for what happens today. I've not been in these societies. So uh, I think there's some major concerns that people should be aware of because if you look at who it was that was the counter-reformation, so you look at the liberty of conscience that was being put forward by Martin Luther, uh, and, and others. So we hear predecessors. This is a very important point that people need to understand. Uh, people have no idea that the reason why the dark, dark Ages was called that because the Bible was restricted from people. If you had one in your home, you'd be burnt alive in front of your house. This time lasted between the years 1538 AD up to 1798 AD when Napoleon's general Berthier put the Pope, Pope Innocent uh, the Pius VI in jail. Uh, and so that that whole 1200 year, 1260 years from the time of, uh, it, it really kind of dates back to the, to the 300s uh, when Constantine signed in uh, the the Jewish um, Judeo-Christians and that began this kind of world empire that was very, very dark and very bloodthirsty in the, in the scheme of how everything played out. Between 50 and 150 million murders under and in the name of God during that time and then when you look at in the 1500s, when this huge split comes off, where the Protestant reformers like Luther and Calvin and Langton, they stand up before before these councils, many of them paying for their, their stand with their, their blood, uh, being burnt at the stake. So not even just like a quick death, very horrifying outcomes, but their conscience and their, their, their bravery was so strong. It's something that we need to borrow from when you think about it. Like, I want that kind of guts. Like, yeah. I want that kind of courage. When people are like, yeah, I just got the shot and yeah, I yeah, just kind of felt like I had to. I just wanted to travel. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. I just didn't like getting kicked out of the restaurant. It's like, it's, it's just because when you think about it, they we're lacking something. We're all lacking something. We haven't got some of this fortitude and it, and it did like, it did come from their love for God. They had a, a, an affinity and a, a steadfastness to their principles that, that brought them joy and strength and courage. And so I would argue that what they had wasn't actually the natural. I believe that it was supernatural. Mm. This, the kind of courage it takes, you, we all think that if we were put at gunpoint, we all like confess whatever we believe, we wouldn't kind of compromise what we stand for. But how do you know that you wouldn't? You just don't really know. And so, like, that's where I say God take over because I don't want to trust in myself. You look at stories in the Bible, like people like Peter, who said, I will go with you unto prison and to judgment and I will die for you. And then Jesus said, sorry for me. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, not sorry. 
Exactly. But if Peter had have said, I'm so, my propensity to, to deny you and to be in fear and to desire, uh, it was the shame of what was going on that he was concerned about, not the death itself. He was afraid of, the, of what it was to be mocked for, for Christ. That was really the, the issue. When you look at the mockery that goes on, a lot of people, it's not that they're afraid of their lives. They don't want to be outcast. They don't want to be looked down poorly upon. That was what Peter was actually afraid of. It's a very deep value for him. It's deep value for most of us. And it was a deeper value for him than his love for Christ at that time. And so this was the war that went on. And if he had have said something more to the effect of, I'm so weak, I need help. I'm not naturally strong in this area. I, God, help me. Jesus, help me. It's a much different approach because then you're welcoming and you're, you're not trying to conceal and puff yourself up. And then you're, you're asking for help. And that's the, the position that all people should be taking. Yeah. And I was just gonna, so, and I, no, I'll, no, I'll keep going. Let you, no, no, yeah, keep going, man. I don't care. I, I didn't want to lose my thought from where I was at the 1500s of what had happened with, uh, yeah. So this split comes. These guys stand. They have such a resolve. They know something, and they 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 stand. And again, I think what was happening that this was the foundations of. If you want to understand how the Constitution came to be, it was all because of religious freedom. It was all because of the Protestant Reformation. That's very important. That would never have happened had not the Protestant Reformation have happened. It provided the framework. There would not have been the freedom to even consider such a possibility for starters, let alone the ideology of what was behind that, because it was, I will stand uh, according to my conscience. And and then the, when you look at the, it was all about protecting freedom. You say, because we talk about these things, but then look at how they were, they were wrought out. Again, this was a manifestation. It goes back further than the 1500s, but it's certainly the most uh, prominent uh uh, example of this in the in the last 500 years and and then as a result something called the counter-reformation also known as this and, and then the name the society of jesus or the jesuits they were formed by um ignatius Loyola, and their whole purpose was to infiltrate and take over everything and they would typically know a lot of different languages and their their thing their tactic was subversion and so this is the reason why many people believe it was their organization that was the head of other organizations like the Freemasons or took over these types of things and then manifested through all these different types of things. And so, like, it doesn't, it's not a shock to me that the liberty of conscience issue is the biggest forefront issue still. It's the one that's going to become more prominent. And there was a recent movie that came out that I think really illustrated this and shockingly well, um, that, which is very telling, that really... It was the Tomorrow War, and it combines these themes of like forced vac- vaccinations. I don't know if you saw it, but it combines these themes. It was Chris Pratt, so it's not a small movie. Is probably like what top few famous actors in, in the world or whatever. Um, and he, it's a future war that's fought at the end of next year, the end of twenty twenty three. A future war, thirty years in the future. But uh, they go and they, they're shooting, using guns to shoot down these aliens. But of course, their guns are no match. But thankfully, he's a scientist. So he learns that he can inject them, which is great, obviously. Like, isn't it great to have storylines where people are getting vaccinated or whatever you want to call it, injected with something that kills that, like kills these aliens, sterilizes the women so they can't have babies. So they're injecting them to sterilize the women. And then they're killing the babies when they're born with these, with, with all these things that they're doing. And then they start to detail how exactly they're going to take about this takedown of the aliens when they can do it. And they say, they say this, um, every six days, I quote word for word, every six days, the white spikes, known as the, the, these 
villainous, loathsome alien creatures, whatever they are. Every six days, the white spikes crawl back into their nests. We call it the Sabbath, their day of rest. That's when we insert troops. That's when we invade. Now, remove religious freedom, and that's how we usher in global tyranny. Yes, because now you've com- combined themes of like takedown, vaccinations, uh, injections with something that pertains to completely, purely the conscience of the day that you worship, the God, that, the way that you see God, the way that you have that. It's so dark when you think about why did this get in the storyline? Who was willing to risk the future and the success of this film, knowing that it would and it should have been considered anti-Semitic? I'm not Jewish. But I, I do have an affinity with the Sabbath. I think it's a beautiful thing. I think having a day where you have a connection with God is one of the most powerful things. It, it has saved me from going mentally insane yeah. when I've felt like my workload is just having that boundary where I will not do any work on that day, the seventh day, right? So this was, anyway, so like this, they, they risked that because you look historically, guess which day the Jews got attacked on? So. Their feast days and their Sabbaths. So, so why would they just do that? It's man, I know I said I gotta go at five. Are you good to talk over past five? Yeah, yeah, yeah. fucking blast, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. <laughs> I, had, I had another guest that I scheduled this morning. I think I'm gonna tell him I gotta kick back an hour because I'm having. Oh, blast. sorry, bro. No, man, no. <laughs> That's cool. No, I'm gonna hold on. I'm glad you care about the subject. A lot of people would look for more surface fucking, things. Like we can talk about Bayer's injuries all day because that's what I've been doing tons of research on. But I, um, I feel like people need to know some of these things. Hold on, let me text my next. No, dude, I fucking love this shit. Excuse my French. That's all good, man. You be here. All right. Um, well, hopefully he doesn't hate me, but oh well. Um, so, well, and, and the other thing is, just in case if he doesn't, we can re, you know we can do more. I'm not. I'm easy to get these days, right. right? But if you feel like there's a flow and you want to, keep no, going, no, no. So. Well, that's what that's what I like is I, I've, I've done right. this is episode six ninety six. I've I've learned I've learned when it's flowing, you can't necessarily put a pin in it and go, let's resume next week. It's different. Did somebody not sleep? Well, is it not flowing? You got to catch the flow while it's going. But, um, that's cool. you know, it does seem like that, right? Cause it, it, I mean, I always think of like you introduce hell in order to sell someone on purgatory. So it's like we introduced oh, yeah. 1984, the boot on the neck, it will be you know, stamping on the face forever. And then you go, that's terrible. And then they go, or it could be 1984. Or not that, sorry, excuse me. Or it could be Brave New World. Soma, Orgies, it's going to be great. And you're going, oh, that's, I like that one more than 1984. But it's like 1984 is the vaccine passport and Brave New World is the immunity passport. And it's like, no, there doesn't have to be dystopia. It's going, we can have bad dystopia or we can have kind of good dystopia. And it's like, how about just go fuck your mother and... You know, I, I'm autonomous over myself and I'm going to have my own family and go live in my own community. And it's like we can either have communist or we can have like a pretty fun socialism. And it's like or none or you can just get off my property. Like that's yes, my mindset. Exactly, man. You summed it up. You summed up the concept of sucker's choice or the Hegelian dialectic yeah. very well. So Hegel was a philosopher. The concept of creating a thesis versus an antithesis would create synthesis and that that is how you rule. And so it makes sense that you'd have two opposing parties, Democrats, Republicans, and, and then, then you divide people. So they're less likely to be able to unify on things. And we all think about the things that were different from each other. Like how many things could we have decided were different to each other, Tommy, to say, well, he thinks this and I, Jonathan thinks that. Well, 
we don't want to talk on a podcast and share our views. But we don't. We we should judge each other. If the judgment is actually, it's surprising. And Tommy, it's and it's a good. This one is one where I, I would stand out like a bit of a sore thumb in the movement that I'm in because I am, I'm, I'm talking about love and operating out of love, which is supremely hard to do when we are watching videos about all the things that Fauci is doing when he's torturing puppies and ripping out their vocal cords and introducing flesh-eating bacteria. And so the thought of a dartboard in Fauci's head makes more sense than like praying for him and asking God's forgiveness over him and my own forgiveness for my hatred against people that are taking away my freedoms and threatening to hurt me and my children. So it's like one of those easier said than done things, yeah. but it's surprising though, how dark the energy of judgment and uh, meditating and wishing somebody's death is yeah. and how, how it, how it envelops the soul and it's designed to do this. And it's part of the, it's part of this dialectic because um, it keeps us in that frequency. And, and there are things that are outside of our control. Like I, I'm not in that place. It, Absolutely am I that putting people, you know, using systems of justice. Absolutely am I that. But but even when you get to that, people that really study the system will understand prison reform is actually a very noble thing. Mm. It's about rehabilitation, not about saying, like, let's make this person suffer for what they've done. But it's interesting that my mind naturally goes to make somebody suffer. Like, I'm naturally vindictive in my character. I know that about myself. Uh, I know that that, that has caused my marriage to struggle. I know that... Um, and I would say the same for my wife. We're both very good at judging. And very. And so when, when you come up to a problem and you see problems and flaws in each other, you just like let loose and yeah. you tear each other apart. And that's what you do. Instead of seeing something, you see something and it gives you this empathy. And you then have a knowledge of something that you can pray for someone for. There's a whole different perspective. And once I like let this, I was like, I'm going to let this part of me die. It doesn't help. It hurts everything. It breaks everything that I love. Uh, it doesn't make me a good father. I want to, like, I need a soft heart. I, I need to be true to justice. There's something about this. Uh, it's And it, it's ironic that it keeps me focused on telling the truth, speaking the truth, but it keeps me out of the hatred. And that's the poison that actually ends up making me like the people that I hate with, without me realizing. And I, I'm not saying that I hate them, but when I'm in that state, I hate. And then that hatred is like a, it's like a subtle worship of somebody that then is inviting all their characteristics to fill me. And I'm meditating. It's taking up space. It's taking up all the real estate in my brain. Yeah. And it's a poison that's infecting everything. It's just like coming through like snake poison. Yeah. Venom. I mean, you got to think about like Eisenhower, who rose through the ranks, was the five-star general, supreme commander of the Allied forces, oversaw the largest amphibious invasion in human history, and then took the helm at the presidency and built the built the 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 what's the relocation arc of bunkers throughout the Northeast so we could survive against the Soviet Union. I mean, this guy was like a living like mythical warrior character, yet he still gave speeches on. Uh, the fighter jet would fly over. He'd say, "That's you know, that's a thousand bushes of, bushels of apples. Every every ship you see off the horizon, every battleship, that's a that's a brick school in a thousand American cities. We are robbing the future of our people." It's like, and then even with the U two flights over the Soviet Union, his takeaway was, "Oh wow, they're not a bunch of uh, Soviets getting ready to kill America. It's a bunch of people on farms, a bunch of people on horses." mothers walking with like you know little toddlers 
even he could see that despite all the death and destruction he oversaw. I mean, going up and down the lines and talking to the men that were about to invade Normandy and get blown apart on D-Day, you do see that. And I, you know, I, I try very hard. It's so easy to, to hate someone like Anthony Fauci or Klaus Schwab or Bill Gates. And you're like, these demons are, you know, they want to inject kids with vaccines that are going to give them myocarditis. Like you, like you motherfuck. And then, but it sucks you in. It sucks you yeah. in. You can't go punch the, you know, you can't go punch the, the quicksand because then it starts to pull you in. And that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean to be spineless. That doesn't mean to go, no. we have to love everyone, guys. Give the Nazis a hug. But yeah, exactly. it also means that you can't be in that pure fangs out, let's get them, because then you become the monster. So, I mean, <clears throat> it's very difficult, but I do often try to think of like, at one point, like Fauci was like a seven-year-old. Yeah, call, probably man. a point where he learned to ride a bike and his parents were like smiling. Wow. I maybe yeah. maybe I'm the next Fauci. Maybe I just haven't turned evil yet. Like I don't know. Yeah. And it's I mean, That's dude, Hitler's dad used to beat his dog until the dog was wet his pants, then he'd hit beat Hitler until he would pass out for like a day at a time. I don't wow. support Hitler. That guy is Satan incarnate. He didn't get a I had loving parents who'd never put a finger on me. Yeah. Do you you mean you ha- and that doesn't mean Hey man, no, we do have to invade Berlin and destroy the Nazis. But at the same time, it's like, dude, you cannot become the like triple headed mm. demon. You have to look at it like, where did they what where the where are they coming from? Like wow. in 2014, my older brother committed suicide. I was 23, he was 27. I'm so sorry, man. I appreciate it. But like now when someone's really getting under my skin, when someone's just, you know flaking on me or they're just being an asshole or whatever no matter what the situation at an airport or walmart or in my own home i'm always trying to like all right how do i not know that three days ago they didn't find out a sibling died and right now they're just trying their hardest to hold it together because god knows i snapped on people every day for five years now i feel like i'm kind of moving forward but it's like little things like that but that's what I mean is I think you're bringing that up though is like you can't let it because there is almost like a sort of worship where it's like fuck that guy that guy's a piece of yeah. shit He's tr-. and it's like what's over what's taking you over and that doesn't mean be a, a blind idealist with your head in the clouds we're all gonna hold hands no no people die you know you can't give flowers to Nazis sometimes you just have to bomb them but Man, at the same time, you can't abandon what is inside. And so what you said earlier, you know, well, what happens if I decide it's best for me to kill you, Tommy? Part of me would have to think, well, you know, this guy really likes his autonomy like me. I can't let that happen. But I don't even know where I'm rambling now, but I don't know. No, I was following you, man. I You bring up powerful points, man. You're... You, I appreciate you sharing your background too. Uh, that's, yeah. that's, it, it's so helpful for people. I, I think people don't realize how helpful something like that is. Um, and yeah, and I think, yeah, in regards to personal autonomy, I, I believe that anything that, that conflicts with somebody else, their life, these are the things that we're actually part of our duty to ourselves is to protect. For example, the Second Amendment is about protecting your neighbor's livelihood. 
And so it's so I'm breaking that when when I think that by harming you and being an aggressor to you, I so I'm breaking my own autonomy because my own autonomy tells me that you are my brother mm-hmm. uh, and you are my own flesh and blood. And how would I take that when you I'm a part of you, you are a part of me, and I I'm not willing to raise my hand against you. And there are some interesting people through history that embodied this to the nth degree. People like Desmond Doss. Uh, so my wife got to meet him before he died. And my father was a chaperone for him for a week at like a Christian camp meeting. And he was the conscientious objective of the movie. Oh, yeah. Okay. Was made about Mel Gibson's film. And the movie actually was a, a very light representation of the true heroism of Doss. It actually yeah. under, underplayed it. Mel Gibson th- thought that if he had have told the story as truthfully as it happened, that people wouldn't believe it. Uh, and like certain scenes, for example, when Doss uh, gave up his place in a stretcher after stepping on the grenade, he didn't kick it away from himself. He stepped on it to try to protect others. And then when he was getting taken away, he gave his position up for, for another person that he felt was more wounded than him. And then he was sniped through the shoulder and then he made a splint and carried himself back with a rifle. So that was the only time he used a gun. And he rescued 75 men, uh, a lot of the, a lot of those people being ja- uh, at least a couple of handfuls or so of those being Japanese soldiers. And so his understanding of humanity was so profound. It touches me to the deepest level. There's something that he knew that for me was so beautiful. And it's that, that he, he saw himself as a part of a body of humanity and he saw that his, his own life was no more valuable than somebody else's, including uh, the Japanese soldiers who were working at that moment in time to take his own life. He he was above all of it. And and for me, I see that as like, oh, that's what God is like, right? Yeah. And so naturally, and so then what, what's happening is you're seeing the impress of, of somebody that was seeking that. When you look at it, he was just, he made some delays to the troops and saying, look, I want to pray before we go. And then it got to the point where the soldiers like, we don't leave until Doss prays. Um, these were the same people that threatened to shoot him yeah. on the field and said, we're going to kill you when you get out there. It's like they told the story of him getting beaten up and things like that. Not sure if he, whether he got beaten up or not, but he did get told that he'd get shot on the field. Mm-hmm. You're a coward, Doss, and we're going to kill you when you, you get out there. So it was, it was traumatic and he was, caught, he was going to be court-martialed because he wouldn't carry the gun. There was a Japanese soldier in, in uh, while that fired at him six times. Every time uh, his trigger would jam, and he when he was in his crosshair, completely lined up, he just like had him in his shot, and then he'd move it off him, and it would fire, and he'd put it straight back on him, it wouldn't fire. Six times, what is, what's the coincidence? What's the chances of that? That's in a documentary called The Conscientious Objector, which Hacksaw Ridge was made after that film, The, the Conscientious Objector. So that's the kind of thing that I believe that we all need right now because uh, the amount, like the forces that are like against us are so big and so massive. Like I'm not, even if I wanted to go take them down with you know, guns in hand and you know, yeah. guns ablaze, Wouldn't it would work. be absolutely, it would be a death <laughs> mission. And I have children to take care of. Yeah. But it's interesting, in courage, I actually stand. And this is the reason why I personally am not armed, even though I believe in the Second Amendment. So I'm, so I believe in people's right to choose whether they should arm themselves or not, right? So I believe in the importance of people's ability to choose that. But I choose not to because of these things, because I believe God is my protection. Uh, but 
but that's where I, where I've arrived at. And I would like freedom to be able to make that choice. Right. So that's kind of like some, and, and you look at Doss, he was actually funny enough, these couple of these stories then link. He was another person that was uh, for him. The Sabbath was very important as well. So a day that he was aligned to God, it was part of his conscience. Uh, and, and, you know, and so it's a very um, personal thing for him. Yeah. There is that sort of like, there's almost that, like, that legend that like lives inside all of us and i know that sounds like corny but you can almost like you can like a video game like you can almost level up like you can almost like you have all of us have the option to like become that legend like i think of like i think of like tank man right tiananmen square lined up in front of the tanks in wow. 1989 in Japan, you know, you know, you know the, the picture I'm talking about, right? Yeah, like, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, and you know, and he disappeared, and he you know, definitely was executed that day or something. But I mean, I think about that, and on one hand, you go, yeah, I mean, sure, it's a feel good story, but like, what happened? He ultimately died. But that's the picture we still bring up when, you, whether it's a meme about defiance or whether it's right now in 2022, uh, bringing it up on a podcast, there is something that is eternal about that oh, i love like, that man. that it echoes and it's like that image will always go around no matter what it is so it's like you killed him but in that sense you still sort of like etched him into like the stars because now it's tank man and what again whether it's a meme or whether it's like yeah you know the tanks it's like fda cdc fauci world health organization and it's just like me standing in front of the tanks like i don't want your vax there is something about that that is inside all of us and you you do need it. Like you have to reach in and you have to, and it's very easy for me to say, right? I'm not married. I don't have kids. No one's depending on me. It's very easy to, for me to say, you know, f- full war, Valhalla. And it's like, Tommy, but there's nobody going hungry if you die. But I do think that, I do think if you look at it that way, like be that person be that like badass that echoes through history and not in an egotistical mm. sense, even though we all are, That's we, a good point. We, are we are all, yeah, we, we, we all, all we can all that. say we're not, we're all egotistical, but <laughs> yeah. at the same time, man, like what are these things we lean back on? Like we look at Joseph Lister introducing the idea of like sanitizing surgical instruments and he was ridiculed his whole life. But now you look back on that and you go, that guy was made fun of until he was vindicated. Or you look back at like a Galileo or like a, like a Bruno and you go, or a Copernicus, and some of them killed. But those are the examples we, everyone else at that time, I don't remember any of their names, maybe a king here, a saint there, but these are the names that you lean back on, and 500 years later, when you go, hey, they're, you know, the name of like, we can, there can be heavier than air human flight. We can walk on the moon. The things you point back to are, you mock the old world. You go, oh, huh, the world is flat, right? Yeah, no, burn them at the stake, because the sun revolves around us. There are these points you can look back to. And ironically enough, they're really the only names you do remember are the guys that just went double middle fingers up and they're like, I know what I stand for. I know what this is. And those are the only names that make it. Everything else is uttered in like a mocking jest. Remember when they put leeches on themselves to bleed out the sickness? Mm. No, that's what it is. So like you can achieve this almost sort of like immortality. And ironically enough, the only ones that do it are the ones that are being true to themselves. Like that's the only ticket mm-hmm. to actually like whether or not you believe in even God is like just f- to be remembered. 
are, are the ones that mm. just said, nah, screw it. I'm, I'm going to do me. I'm going to be true to me. Like, you're going to have to kill me. There's something beautiful about that. We all know a Hitler. Mm. In a thousand years, you, we won't be saying Hitler as much. We'll be saying as much as we say Genghis Khan. It'll slowly fade. The ones you do remember are the Buddhas, are the Christs, are the Gandhis, are the Mother mm. Teresas. Those are the ones that sort of ripple through history. And it's all about being true to yourself. You know, how many, 425,000 uh, U.S. soldiers died in World War II, and that's not to make light of any of them. We're talking about the one that wouldn't fight. Yeah, true. Like, what the hell? Like, you know, it's like not talking about Tom Brady, talking about like the player that wouldn't play or something. I don't know where I'm going with this now. Now I'm that's rambling. epic. I like that. That's very that's very interesting. Isn't that isn't that something? And it was all because of love. It was all because yeah. they did something purely motivated out of love. He did not want to harm his brother purely out of love. They thought at the time the soldiers. The reason why they you watch the documentary, you watch them just weeping at the sights when they go back to Okinawa, they go back to that escarpment, they're holding each other's hands, embracing each other, and they, they said, like, we were the ones that threatened us. We were the ones that didn't believe him. We thought that he was a coward, and we thought that he was doing all this for show. And then when we saw him out there, and we saw him just run into on, oncoming fire, and we saw him, like, the love that he that he had and that nothing was too much, he would give, he, he would give up his life in a second for us. When we saw that, um, that, um, that changed us. And like, you know, and then they talked about like, you know, I didn't want to come here to roast human beings when one of the guys that was a flamethrower mm. guys is like this, what, you know, what's, what's happening. And you, you start to realize, man, like we, we get played against each other so much and, and nobody wants to be in these situations and do these things in their heart of hearts when they're whole, when they're in that place. And so you see that. And then, Coming to like a historical figure, you look at Napoleon when he was dying on the uh, island that he was on. Um, what was it? Was it Waterloo? Uh, was no, it that was the battle. No, it was the island. Um, uh, I think it was St. Augustine. No, um, uh, but he he spoke about uh, the, the, Waterloo was the battle. Yeah, no. What was the, what was that island? He was he was out. Saint Helena. Yeah, Saint Helena. <laughs> So yeah, when he was when he was languishing on St. Helena, where they, you know they didn't want to make him into a martyr, and so they, he he exiled there to die on the islands. He has this really fascinating statement where he says, um, "Augustus, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, so Caesar, uh, we said Julius, right? So Julius, uh, Alexander, and myself uh, have uh, commanded by the force of arms. I'm paraphrasing, and uh, you know." and commanded like millions but uh today as i stand here dying on this island uh no one would die for me yet jesus christ through the through the power of love won uh uh one uh his followers to his side so through the power of love so not by the threat of arms but by the power of love won by a desire of the heart so it's actually a an interest of the heart's desire like i want to know more so and any kind of religion that has the threat of arms or the threat of God over your life, like I will make you love me. If you do not serve me, you will die. You will you will burn. You will suffer. I will promise you all these things. You lure you with a carrot, beat you with a stick until you submit to me, which shows that there is nothing lovely about the character, nothing that would naturally draw someone that they have to be compelled to follow yeah. through 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 threat and through 
uh, a reward. There's nothing lovely. But when you look at, and then you go and you look at the life of Christ, you see that there was nothing about him that actually drew people to him when it came to wealth or status. He was it was all character. It was only character. You look at that's the true drawing factor. He says, yet Jesus Christ with the through the power of love, millions would die for him today. Yeah. As he said, he said, millions would die for Christ today. And this is what he said it, it, on the island as he was yeah. dying, sitting there alone saying, there is nothing to what I've done with my whole life. There is nothing to all these kingdoms that have now come and gone. There's no value in them because there is no love in them. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we would die sad, lonely people, which is exactly what Crowley had happened to him on his deathbed. And uh, the journalist or the, the, the recorder of his last words were, I'm deeply perplexed. Uh, and I'm, I'm deeply perplexed. He would repeat this and then boom, he fell to the ground. Doof, he was out. Um, he died sad and alone after such a allegedly monumental uh, you know, journey. Of, um, and for people who know who he is, I mean, he was a correspondent to CIA. He was a correspondent to the Dalai Lama at the time. He he um, he, he was a correspondent to Winston Churchill. He, you know, anyway. So he, you would say that he lived a rich life and you know did a lot of dark things, obviously, as well as the things I mentioned, which had a lot of darkness attached to them. But what I'm saying is, it doesn't matter how high you climb the ladder in the dark side or in fame and popularity. Um, you know, even this movement has a lot of fame and popularity uh, where, you know, the revolutionaries of the time uh, stand and there's some something to be uh, praised in that for people. And yet you realize like none of this gets remembered unless it's motivated, motivated by love. And it, to me, it only matters what God sees, because that's the eternal aspect where it's the reason why I, you think about it. Why does the Bible say what, what you when you give, don't let your right hand or your left hand know what your right hand is doing, which means don't worry about being seen by people because then you play to the true audiences where you look at your father's approving eye where you, yeah. you're standing alone with God and you feel so loved and you're like, I did this all for you, God. I didn't do it for everyone else. I did it for you. And then God says, well, then thank you because that, that motivation is so pure. If I do it for others and the praise of others, when I say I do it for the good of others, but if I do it for the praise of others, then I am holden to their views of me. And so if you now, if you like it when I do this and you don't like it when I do this, you know, or whatever, then I'm just going to do this. And, but what if you need, anyway. Yeah, no, 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 100% it, makes sense. Yeah, so I'm playing to the audience, which causes me then to betray you at the end. Yeah. Um, I need to play to the greatest audience, which is God. That's my call. Yeah, and it's kind of like a catch-22 to even like admit this, but. If you or anyone listening, if you've ever done like an act of charity in the complete absence of anyone except for the person like receiving it and never said a word, never told anyone about it, didn't tell your girlfriend about it, it's the best feeling in the world. Right. I'm best, glad you brought that up. That's it's cool. It's the best That's fucking cool. feeling in the world. And like I kind of just like negated it because now I'm implying that I've done it and now I'm telling people listening to this podcast. So now it's like voiding it. But like, well, it might, it, people, we, we can placate it by just saying, well, maybe you just get, you know, water to flour or something yeah, whatever, like that. But it whatever, might have been whatever. something very heroic. Yeah. But we're not going to even say. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. The but point. that's the thing is like you do something like that. And then when you do it, there is like a little a little bit of like a narcissistic like dick in you. It's like, <laughs> look at me fucking doing this selfless charity. And it's like, shut up, <laughs> shut up. But like, but sometimes yeah, exactly. you do something, yeah, you're yeah. like, that was cool. And then you're almost kind of like, oh, I did that. You're like, I'm capable of that. And it's, 
it's an incredible thing. And you think about like, uh, like ironically, like the guys that, yeah, originally were like, we're going to kill you, Doss. And then towards the yeah. end, it was like, we'll kill anyone that comes near you. If another American mm. comes near you, we'll kill you. And it's like, isn't that weird? That the guy who wanted truly nothing to do with exerting force over other people gathered a force field of fellow soldiers around him. Like, that's a weird thing, man. The guy who was like, yeah. I don't want no part of it. Other people are like, I'll die for him. And then the ones that do want that power, a Hitler or a, a Napoleon, those are the ones that can never get it in the end. It's this wow. weird. Oh, uh, true. That's this, a good point. Isn't that weird, though? Like, that's weird. Yeah, they, like, went, they went back into enemy fire to get his Bible. That's what I mean. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. To get his Bible. Like, it wasn't a person. It was a Bible. Like, it, I wouldn't not do even that. a person. Not even, I wouldn't do No, fuck that. I'll do it for, I'll do it for, I would hope I would do it for a fellow soldier. I wouldn't do it for a Bible. Yeah. I'd be like, I'll buy you another one. What are we doing here? But like. Yeah, exactly. That was the, you know, they, they, they had events where like there was 40 men in both squadrons. They both went A and B. They both went in the same areas. One comes back, only four soldiers return and they're injured or, or, or at least some of them are injured. And, but four out of the 40 plus, and then in Doss's group, not a single one is wounded yeah. and they all come back alive. So like their, their understanding, they were going back in there because they just believed that that was God was with Doss and that, that that's where their, their hope was. And he was a, a manifestation of that. So they were to do right by him, even though I, I'm, I'm almost sure that he wouldn't have asked them to do that, but they saw him upset about it. So they just ran back in. So, yeah. It, it is like, Another thing I always think of is like, is like the whole, like whenever reading about, you look at like a random battle in like World War II, right? But you, we probably know about those better than we know about ones in World War One, more better than the ones you know about Civil War or Revolutionary. And then you go back even further, like the Hundred Years' War, or you go farther and farther back. And then as you go even farther back, you don't even recognize the names of nations. Do you ever like read about like some ancient something? You're like, I've never even yeah. heard of that nation. And they're like, you're like, there's yeah. this whole country that has never even passed the radar of my consciousness. I always yeah. think back to like how many men, like how many men spilled blood and died for like the glory. Of, and it's very, maybe if I had kids, I would go, maybe they didn't give a shit about the nation. It was unprotecting my family, which is a noble thing. But when you look back at, like, dying for the nation, it's not just that, like, it's not the best nation anymore. Like, the U.S. Is, has superseded, the, like, the U.K. But it's like, no, these are nations that, like, I've never even heard of in my life. It all kind of just falls to the to nothingness. And the names mm -hmm. you do remember are the people who refuse to participate in it. Wow. It's the weirdest it's the weird, you could pull a religious angle on it and say like, Oh, the kingdom that never falls is the kingdom of God. Or you could just say like, from a historical standpoint, it's, you have to be the thing that stands out. So if everyone's getting famous for, I killed 10 million, I killed 50 million. Maybe you really want to flex. You could be like, I didn't kill anybody. It's this weird. Wow. It's like a really weird. Yeah. I don't know what it is. And I'm trying to find out like how we apply it to 2022 with like what's going on yeah. right now. Because you so, you so fervently want to be like these people, like go to hell, don't come near me with this. You're not going to make me present papers. This isn't Nazi Germany. But at the same time, like, don't you kind of have to be DOS? And if we can't, if if right now you and I are going, 
but how can I love somebody demanding me, like screaming at me to wear a mask? Well, how much harder do you think it is for Doss to love people who are literally shooting at him? <laughs> like, yeah. so like, if he can do that, certainly like we can muster up the, the courage or the patience to somehow exercise love today. Yeah. What What are your thoughts? I got to go to the bathroom real quick. Can I, can, can you, can you monologue? I do this every episode. Can you just monologue? Yeah. I'll monologue. Yeah, All right. Yeah, awesome. yeah. Perfect. All right. Beautiful. Actually, I want to give you my answer when you come back. All if right. you, if you're willing. Wait, keep talking. Hey, well. All right. Sure. Sure. Well, okay. So I want to answer that in fullness when Tommy comes back. So I will, um, at the moment share something in connection with that. A couple of, I had a couple of experiences that were like like this really testing me. And again, I, I could get tested way more than what I've been tested in the sense that, you know, something you know, really bad happens to you. Now you have a real test. But but again, even when you fail, it's it's still part of that journey. So you're you're learning things that are in you. And none of us know the things that are in ourselves, right? Look at history, look at the things people are capable of under certain circumstances. And these things are in us and they inhibit us from really stepping into the deepest love and the essence of, you know, I believe who God's made us to be. And so like welcoming circumstances where negative attributes come out of us, but then obviously when we're watching that carefully, we don't, we're not, we're not wanting those things to come out. We're actually, we're fighting against the negative characteristics come out of us. But, but then after when we reflect and we can, we can see instead of uh, praising ourselves for the harsh way we dealt with something or instead of um, uh, being uh, loathsome of the mistakes that we made, we can actually uh, stand in a place of like confidence and serenity knowing that, hey, look, I did exactly what I knew to do at the time and I maybe didn't even live up to what I knew to do, but but I um, I can do better and here's the things that I, here's the things I've learned from this. But I was going to say, Tommy, there's like, he was an example, right? So I, there was this guy in Virginia and I wasn't wearing a mask and I wasn't actually compelled by the store owners to wear the mask, but he obviously thought I should and he was like a good, 20 feet away from me when the cash register was vaccine injured. Uh, he was having to call in sick. He said, what do you do from where you live in uh, Puerto Rico? And I said, well, I make films telling people not to get the vaccine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and like, I just sometimes cut the point because I just care about people and their outcome. And I just, I'm like basically dangling a little piece of debate. And then, then he says, uh, and then he says, well, well, okay, so his answer was sad. I'm feeling really sick after getting my booster. I'm having to call in sick today. I just can't handle it. And I said, well, look, you need to know some of the data. There are things that you can do. There's protocols you can do. And I was starting to explain to him. And again, I, it was a pretty short process. I mean, you're hearing it from me. I, I, Because this guy I didn't know he was there. I showed him phase data. I said, look, you have to consider this data. When a vaccine adverse event reporting system at that point in time, 22, 21,000 deaths, I was showing them, look, here's the deaths reported, at, you know, over a million injuries. You need to know about this so you can just know, so you can consider this for future shots because I think you should get off the bandwagon, get off the merry-go-round. This is very dangerous. And then the guy behind me is like, oh, I'm sitting here waiting in line while this guy is talking his boom, S-H-I-T. And I'm like, oh, it triggered me. It triggered me big time. Oh, yeah. And, I, and, and so... 
I so I feel like I screwed this one up, but I'll tell you what I did. Uh, so and and then I said, "Hold, excuse me," and I and I said, and so and then I like pulled out my phone because I was like, I just got to document this. But I, yeah, so I feel like I screwed it up. So I said, "Hey, listen, um, my wife and my two boys are there. I don't think they actually really like a big guy swearing at their father here. I don't think this is actually like an environment where they feel good or safe. I don't think that's a good thing that you're doing." And I was actually just, and, and he says, well, yeah, but, you know, you're here breathing on everyone. And I was like, well, you're nine feet away. And so, like, me breathing on everyone. So he's being weaponized. And so then I said, listen, man, don't let the media propagandize you. Uh, we are brothers, and I I love you. And so I, I say this, and this, but, like, I just knew in my mind I was judging. The other woman's just like, yeah, yeah, she was waiting for you. I'm like, excuse me? And so I walk over to her. I was like, you know, like I, no, I don't want to talk. And then they go to call security. He starts calling the police. It was just bizarre. And um, so anyway, next time, so my wife is like, I feel like you're still a little harsh. And I'm like, yeah, I saw the harshness, even though my words were like, I love you. I'm like, yeah, I could see that my heart was struggling to love him. Yeah. And I was struggling to judge him because they, they, were, you know, they were both really overweight. Again, that's fine. People are overweight. I got loved ones I really care about they're overweight that could happen to me anytime but they're you know they're checking out really unhealthy food and here's me with my healthy food organic but I can see how hey look I'm actually bullying them in my mind with that and I'm holding them to the flame in a way that even though what I'm saying is right and there's something right about what I'm doing this actually is a bullying aspect because I know more than them and they are brainwashed and there's an aspect where I'm not actually in 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 the right spirit here and and I just and it was partly because I didn't sleep well as well. Anyway, but but yeah, you just hit the right buttons. My children were there; you, they hit, hit the right buttons for me. And but I but I thought about it. I was willing to contemplate and go, yeah, I'm happy to be wrong on that. And and but then you know certain things that I was right. I'll show you the footage anyway, Tom. You can decide for yourself. But um, the next time was just a day or two later. Woman's like, you know, you can't sit here because you're not vaccinated. And and I said, well, I'm sorry, you had to ask me to do that. She said. Oh, I'm really sorry I had to ask you to do that. And and it was just this beautiful exchange of humanity. And and I really meant it when I said it. I was like, I'm just so sorry that you have to be in this situation. And yeah, I can't sit in this place and I feel stigmatized. But here's this person who didn't sign up for this either. And she feels that that's her best way to provide for her family is to enforce this yeah. law. And that's what she believes and that's where she's at. And all I can do is love and respect her in her conscience because she's doing what she thinks. And even yeah. if she's going against her conscience... It's like, I'm only here to, to love people in their challenges as people are here to love me in my challenges. God loves me in my challenges, my flaws of character. And I'm only just there to say, I'm sorry for what you're going through. And that's, you look at the trial of Christ and that's what he did the whole time when he's being brought to his death, where they're about to torture him. He actually, he actually excuses every single person that, yeah, um, that takes advantage of him. They know not what they do. Or, yeah. You got it. Yeah, man. It's sometimes, yeah. And, you know, it's like I look at like it's very easy to be like, you know, all these 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 snotty, out of touch like musicians or we're gonna take our our music off Spotify if they don't take down Rogan. And it's like, dude, I thought you guys were part of like the freedom, like free love movement. Like, don't trust the government, and yet now here you are. And I get it. Who knows? I'm not. Who knows? I don't think he is. Who knows? Maybe maybe Malone and McCullough are wrong. I'm not a doctor. I think they're they're right, and I've had them on this podcast. Maybe they're yeah. wrong. Well, then part of me is like, dude, even if they are wrong, even if they're saying, you know, you got to eat puppies to 
be cured from COVID. Like part of me is like, you know, you're still an adult. Like you just don't, you don't have to listen to it, but be an adult. If you don't like it, turn it off. If you don't like the channel, turn off the radio. Like, but then another part of me is like these, these people, you know, I don't think like a Fauci or like a, like Albert Burla, the CEO of Pfizer. Like, I don't think they believe it. I think most people, that like reach out on social media to me and they're like, Tommy, like you and I are friends. I can't believe you're spreading misinformation. Like I think 99.9% of them truly believe that I'm doing something that is harmful. And in their mind, they have to stand up to me and maybe it's uncomfortable for them. Fuck. I've known Tommy for 20 years, but Someone has to say it. And as much as I think they're wrong and think that I can factually show that they're wrong. Yeah. If they are truly, if they think they're doing the right thing, like, can I really flip out? Like short of them, like laying a finger on me, short of them coming into my home. If they start coming into my home with with like a syringe, well now it's war. But if people truly believe that, they're, that they're helping bring the pandemic to an end by silencing Rogan. I'm still going to defend Rogan, but like, I also get, like, I can't hate them because I think I'm doing yeah. the right thing. You know, yeah. maybe there are some of them having this conversation going, maybe Tommy and Jonathan, maybe they actually think they're doing the right thing and they're not trying to spread misinformation and kill grandma. Maybe they mm-hmm. actually think, there are a lot of vaccine injuries and we're going, there are, but they might be thinking that. And they're like, so they're not bad people. They think that they're fighting for future generations. And it's like, well, this is a sticky situation. Like, so now, and ultimately ultimately it comes down to just you do you and I'll do me. Like, I think that's really the most peaceful, loving thing we can conclude. And it's, yeah. Wow. Powerful man. Sorry, you would no, say no, 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 no. I'm, no, uh, yeah. I'm just rambling. No, I, I, well, you, I think you've nailed it because here's something that people don't realize: uh, judgment actually is is the is the first step of the actuation of a death process or a murder process. So, um, and you, so differentiating the way that you understand the word judgment. So, for example, let's say in the Greek. So, and it says judge not. The 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 word is really to discern or to um, test so you're making a judgment when you like the color you know or not absence of color whatever you like black instead of red uh so you're using a a judgment there so that when i use judgment in that sense no that judgment is actually part of your cognitive process so what i'm saying is but if um i don't like tommy uh because i don't like his hair i don't like his shirt so now that that is a process that is uh, now entirely it's connected to the word condemnation, and so it's where somebody assumes the place where they actually believe in some sense, and we all do this because we're all acting. This is what I understand: we're all acting out our picture of God. So we all sit as a judge over humanity, which we actually have not been given. Like that scepter was never put into our hands. Tommy, you go ahead and judge your fellow brother and like deem who's worthy of life or death. There you go, take it and dish it out. And it's no wonder that wise humanity often uh, satisfied by uh, storylines where people have to die in the storyline. Like if, if you get to pay for the film 
and the film is catered to that which is most satisfying to you? Why why do the storylines most typically end with people actually having a character resolution? They actually come to grips with what they've done and they they get reinstated back into you know fellowship and society with people. And they, they why does it have to be death? Like the actuation of death is the is the is showing us that our minds can't get past this. We believe that we are there and we are sentences of each other. And this is the death process that we engage in. So it's judgment that leads to condemnation. And and it's a it's the sting of death. And when it's written into the fabric of our of our heart, our gut, our minds, that whole psyche, then we naturally gravitate to themes of violence. We naturally find ourselves enjoying mocking people and making fun of them because it's it's causing a death of their character. We naturally enjoy gossiping about people, even people that are our friends, because it's we we want to see their demise. And it's, but it's natural in a process where the process is continually being engaged in that I am my brother's judge. And so you look at something like in the Bible, Romans chapter five, it says judgment uh, came was by, uh, from one man uh, came judgment unto condemnation. It's talking about Adam. So saying that God was never the source of condemning judgment. God actually doesn't employ this. And this is why you see in the life of Jesus, there was no point where they could actually get him to condemn people. Like uh, you, people refer to a couple of scenes where he flips the table, but that was actually just showing that people don't have to buy their way to get to him. That was actually for that. It wasn't to show them that they were loathsome people. Uh, so he, they couldn't get him to do it. So they were like, engage in the process. Go on, if we whip you, will you do it? And he's like, no, I'm still not going to do it. If we spit on you, will you do it? And he's like, no, I'm still not going to do it. They couldn't get him to do it. And that was the point. Like he wouldn't engage in that. And if, if there is a God, which I believe there is, if that God had one thought of condemnation towards you, you would be gone. Mm. You wouldn't exist. You would be incinerated in a second because you're talking about the source of all energy in life. And you would come in contact in that, that thought would be a complete death detonation. You would have a, a it, that's your abortion where God just goes, yep, death of Tommy, get rid of him. I don't want him anymore. Get rid of him. He's of no value to me. I reject him. He's no longer my child. And that process is something that God never engages in by virtue of the life of Jesus. And by the, this is how I see it, by virtue of the life of Jesus and by virtue of the fact that we're in existence and we can do such loathsome things and we still don't, get aborted by God. He still loves us. And this is the process that God's saying, get out of this. Because if that happens, you see circumstances like DOS happen where you start seeing situations like heaven on earth. And that's the thing that they don't want us to know. They're happy to us for us to hate Fauci. They're happy for us to side with each other and vaccinated, hate unvaccinated, verse vice versa. They're happy for all that. The system loves that. It still feeds the beast. But when we step out of that and say, I will not condemn my brother, I will not harm, I will not speak um, venomous words against my brother. I will not engage in the process. Um, it's my brother and my sisters, my child, my mother, and I will not engage in it. And I love them. And yes, I will stand up against them, but that's also standing for them. But if someone's doing the wrong thing, it's actually standing for them and holding them accountable, even if that means using the judicial system, even if that use, mean, means using the court of law uh, for certain circumstances that would warrant such things. Um, but, but that's the stand. I love that idea of God can't participate in any judgment. It's like, it's like I can't move without killing something. Like you shift in your chair, you just killed like a million germs, right? <laughs> you go, you go for a walk, you kill the bug. You may not think, yeah. about it. you may think I don't kill people. So it's almost like, 
if, if, if movement whatsoever, whether it's sprinting or whether it's blinking, you know, whether it's the total movement of your body or whether it's just a slight twitch, you could say movement is judgment. And in this analogy, God would be pure stillness. Don't mm, destroy anything. Don't, you don't leave a footprint on anything. Because mm. unlike me, I'm big enough to kill a germ. A God would be the, it would be the structure and fabric of reality itself. Energy, consciousness, matter. So any judgment would mean, yeah, it's, it's, it would mean your destruction because it's, it's so hyper powerful. It couldn't. And so that's why, so that's why we're allowed to see evil in this world is Mm. because to condemn it out of existence, not only would completely negate the, any value of free will, but that would maybe be like God's own slippery slope. Right, you can play Grand Theft Auto on Xbox, and you can get a machine gun and you can mow down civilians. Sure, you turn off Xbox and you turn it on the next day, and the game's still there. The game, Mm -hmm. the game loves you. You can go on and do the most horrible things. You could, you could literally be a good person in the game and try to be like a traffic cop and help people. You could just land an airplane at at a runway, or you could drive a tank into a grocery store. The yeah. game will never yeah. tell you you can't. The game will turn back on and be like, have fun. You have to have that. Maybe that's what we're seeing right now is this is all part of it. I have no idea. Very, oh, it's very interesting logic and reasoning there, I think. And I think that like there's a slight distinguishing that I would put between uh, evil in people and, and evil in the thing. So like, for example, when I – so it's – the question is, is it possible to condemn actions but not condemn people? And I'd say it's the only way. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if, um, okay, so it's the concept of, let's say, um, can I love sin and love the sinner? Or can I can I hate sin and hate the sinner? I would say those are mutually exclusive. For example, if, let's just, and again, it's just using the word sin. I know it's a religious word, but let's say, um, so you can't love children and love child molestation. Yes. See what I'm saying? So you can't love something that hurts somebody because what it's actually showing is that you hate the child So you, because you love something that harms them. So the only way to love the child, these are mutual, these laws of mutual exclusion, is to hate, hate the sin, hate child molestation. So my, they're equally measured in respect to each other, the same thing in the adverse way to say it. And this is the reason why people often misunderstand the Bible because it's saying things that are the adverse of something. So my deep love and treasure of you is, um, you know, I, I hate the things that hurt you. See, that's the, that's the thing, right? So, and then, and same, same with, um, you know, loving the, the person and then, uh, or hating the person and then hating the thing that harms them is not possible because it's again, measured to each other. So you can only, um, you know, you end up loving the thing that hurts the person. So you hate the child, you love molestation, right? So they're the the ways things goes together in that. So, so you end up separating them. So you're separating people in your mind from their actions. And you're saying like, this isn't who you are. I'm holding you to the standard of who you actually are. I know this is not you. And this is what you see God do with you. If again, if the Bible is true, it's God doing it with humanity throughout millennia. Just basically saying, I know this isn't you and I'm holding you to your true standard because I know who you are. You're my child and I see that. So it's it's the image of 
Like, a, and it's and it's very interesting when you look at how do we understand life. What's by the virtue of where we came into life? I have a three year old and a little baby, and I and so if I know who my son is, and I will always see who my son is, even whatever life he chooses and whatever he chooses to do. I always, I like, I know who you are, Asha. I know you. I know what you're capable of. I know the beauty in your soul. And I can always see that even when people are doing dark things. And that to me is uh, the the love of God. The, uh, there's a book called um, God is Love by um, G. G. E. Fifield. And it says that uh, what is the love of God but the love of a mother or a father who seeks after a wayward child that sees something in that child that the world sees not and is always hoping with earnest expectation to draw that out from within. This is the love of God for God is love. So it's the, it's this, it, you would see this naive, this naive expectation, but it's actually powerful because it creates the reality versus the God that actually knows you're going to fail and predicts that you're going to fail. And he's checking the list and he's going to make sure you don't screw it up, but, but he's actually programming to you to believe that you will fail and that you will disappoint. And then therefore you do, because that's the image that you have. And that's what you're worshiping instead of somebody that says, I, I know who you are, I believe in you. I love you and I'll never give up on you. Side note, you cool to do like 15 more minutes and then we'll wrap it up? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, um, so one thing I always think of is like, do you, so I think like if, if God truly is all powerful and I do believe God is, that would mean God would open with welcome arms an Adolf Hitler, a Jeffrey Dahmer, a Jeffrey Epstein whoever a Stalin yeah right no matter yeah. what they I, did y- yes it's, yeah it's no a hard, I, it's a hard I, not to crack I do believe it yeah it's I do hard believe it. it's but, hard but no no I actually 100% believe it it's no longer become hard for me it is it's it's obscene but it and it, it incredible but it actually makes a lot of sense to me now that just because I receive you, does that mean that you receive yourself? Ah. And does that mean that you receive me and my invitation, my belief of you? Ah, so that's like the idea of, so maybe it's more like a, maybe like a, an updated version of like heaven and hell would be, it's like what Bill Hicks, the comedian said. It's like, there is no hell. Was that, was that Alex Jones, by the way? Do you think or not? Bill Hicks. Bill Hicks. I, there would be no, he would go down he would go down as the greatest comedian in world history if he faked his death and became Alex Jones, who is just a, who just parodies reality. He'd be the greatest. He would go down up there with it'd be Gandhi, Buddha, Jesus, and it'd be like Bill Hicks, the patron saint of. Con- if you faked your death and became Alex Jones, I mean, I've thought it. I've thought. No, I've actually thought about that. They went to the same coup. high school. They had the same like main producer friends. Total coup, a coup of comedy. It would be the end if he came out as as Bill Hicks, dude. Can but you imagine thing, just like, faking I mean, being Alex? <laughs> just faking being Alex Jones for twenty years. Exactly. You know, you've seen all this stuff where he signs off as Alex Bill Hicks. So I'm Bill Hicks. Yeah. I'm Bill Hicks. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, for another time, I, I'm not saying I don't know. I'm just saying I know. I've thought like I wish it was. Like I wish. I think it, I think it. I'm I'm like fifty fifty on it. I'm Maybe not, sixty I'm not, forty I'm not in favor of it being true. I'm not a hundred percent convinced he's not. Uh, but I think Bill. <laughs> yeah, Hicks, go ahead. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Bill Hicks said something about like 
he's like the he's like what hell actually is he's like hell is not you know hell's not a lake of fire where you're being punished he was he said hell is separation from the eternal love of oneness that is that is god and not in the judeo christian or the islamic or the or the jewish or whatever he was like, no it's just it's god the god of of everything of all mm. just pure love ecstatic bliss and ecstasy and forgiveness what hell is is i think he explained it like god is sunlight it's like a nice beautiful you know you walk outside and you like feel the hair stand up on your neck and it's just oh it's just warm it's not too hot you're just like oh it's perfect what hell is is hell is like like right now i'm in an apartment with like the blinds closed and i have lights on but like this is hell because i'm separate from that warmth that is sun i could theoretically should i have food and water I could theoretically stay in here for the rest of my life. Or, as soon as this podcast is over, I could say, and I know it's getting dark now, but let's pretend it's still sunny. I could go, I want sun now. And I could walk right out the front door, and I could be in sun. Or, I could sit in here for the next five months. I could sit in here for the next five decades and just be like, it's cold, it's dark. At any given moment, whether in five seconds from now, screw this podcast, I'm out. Or in 50 years, you can walk out of the shade into the sun. The sun never stopped shining. You chose just to not be there, which is fine. That's free will. That's part of your experience as a sentient being. But so, like, yes, like, maybe that is what's meant in, like, if you ask forgiveness. It's not that you're getting permission. It's like saying, guys, can I come out in the sun? And everyone's going, Hitler, you're just sitting in your apartment, man. We never said you couldn't come out here. You backed yourself in there. Well, I've done terrible things. I've locked people up in apartments. Uh, yeah. Yes, you have. They're all done now. They're out in the sun too. It's over. You can come uh, out well. here or you can sit there forever. You mean the sun The sun doesn't hate me? The sun doesn't know anything but shining. It can't possibly, mm. it can't even pretend to hate you. But I didn't see the sun. Uh, What's well, cloudy? Those are your own clouds. Get out of the way of the clouds. Get in the sun. Mm. And in that sense, it's always there god is the pool you can do a cannonball whenever you want the only person keeping you from there is yourself and that's kind of my idea behind it is so if there is hitler or or mao or genghis khan or what just whatever some slaughterer throughout history if their temporal energy is somewhere subjectively to them it might be hell Whatever that, whatever is beyond the threshold of death, they might be like, I've killed six million people. I'm such a piece of shit. I'm, you know, I'm full of hatred. Well, then they're going to be there. But at any moment, they can just decide that, no, like, this sucks. Like, I want love. And, like, in an instant. Like, mm. you and I, like, our time spent away from God is identical to that of Hitler. Because at any moment, if you just go, oh, fuck, I'm sorry. I, I'm just, I, I don't know what happened. Boom, sunlight. That's kind of mm-hmm. what I think. And that, it's very easy to say that because I'm sitting in a leather chair with food and water and I wasn't starved to death in Auschwitz. But Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a good but disclaimer. I, it, it is a good disclaimer. But, but, the, but the, I think the points, that, which is why it's like a hard conversation to have. But like you yeah. said, you hesitated. I think that, 
Because if a god wasn't able to forgive Hitler, well then, that's not like an all-powerful god. That's a pretty powerful sure. god. Oh yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, it's like a limitation. I, no, I love it. I think we need to push that boundary, and yeah. you end up you end up pushing this relational boundary of saying, at what point do you stop loving your child, and at what point can you raise the knife to the throat and say, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this life. Is there any any point where that love dries up so much that there's someone becomes valueless to you? And if it was your own child, how how could you bring yourself to it? Right. And so I, I would say absolutely not. You cannot not not in not in be love at the same time. Those are mutually exclusive realities. And for me, what's surprising is the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, to me, from my understanding, and some of this has become for me understanding the words in Greek and Hebrew, and some of it is just simply putting all together the verses on the subject, that there's not a single passage that teaches that God is violent in any context. And people would say, what about this event? What about this event? I'd say, yeah, okay, did you understand what that actually said? And we'd go deeper. Like, let's say, well, what about the angel that was sent by God to kill the firstborn? It says it's the destroyer. So the destroyer, who does the Bible say the destroyer is? And it clearly reveals the the destroyer is Satan. Revelation 9-11, which is an interesting verse, 9-11. It says Apollyon, which is the destroyer. Um, And then Paul says that there were a bit of fiery serpents. They were destroyed of the destroyer. So the destroyer is actually Satan. but um, And then why does it say, well, he was sent of God? Well, did you look at what the word sent is in the in, in the Greek? The word is Nathan, which means to release, uh, meaning that somebody has chosen something and and, and then you, <clears throat> you are pulling on that and then God, and you say, this is what I really want. Give me what I want, which is why you see Moses appeal to Pharaoh and say, please, let us go and do this, knowing that he could actually just take all the children of Israel and just walk out of there, look at the miracles that happened, if, if that's all true, which I believe it was. Then, but instead, he's actually appealing to him, saying, I don't want... And what he says is, let us go do this so plagues don't fall upon this place. Um, and so it's, um, these are all protection. So again, you see it in reverse. But um, yeah, when it comes to something like judgment, the way I understand it is that it's only uh, forged in this life. And again, somebody could take the dice on what happens in the afterlife and whether they could make a choice they didn't make during this life. To me, that's the most frightening thought to actually to well, actually live a corrupted life and then think that hopefully in the afterlife I'll go and make the choice I should have made in this life. No, thank you. So I, yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm too much of a pussy. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, exactly. But it's logical when yeah. you think about it because how do you know, like when you then come, if there is an afterlife, which I believe there is, you would then come and what would you have but that which you are and what yeah. would what you are be based upon that which you have done through your life and, and the last moments of your life and that is who you are at this point. And now you look at your own life and again, the issue with judgment is that it doesn't distinguish between people. Yeah. So I may think that I can selectively judge and I go, look, well, I just want to judge Tommy, but I'm not going to judge myself. And I hate Tommy, but I, I love myself. And then I stand before the day of judgment. And guess what I do? I hate Jonathan. You'd be like, what? I thought I was going to say I love me and I accept me. I'm like, no, because Tommy is you and you are a part of the fabric of humanity. And so the, and this is why Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged for whatever judgment yeah. you meet out or measure upon others it shall be measured upon you. And unfortunately, people read it the wrong way and they say, well, God is going to dump whatever I've dumped on other people on me. But then Jesus said, no, don't give eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Don't do to others what they do to you. Do good to them when they do bad to you. So he's saying, 
if you are judging others in that way, you're going to dump all of that on yourself. This is the reason why I stopped watching violent movies, yeah. just because I started seeing God differently and I started thinking, I don't need any of this. This doesn't actually make me feel good anymore. I'm friggin' traumatized when I see something <laughs> of somebody getting harmed or hurt in some way. Uh, and um, yeah, so anyway, I'm just, I don't like to engage in that process at all. Um, uh, so yeah. It's, but yeah, and I, and I think it's because I see God like that now, whereas I didn't see that before. I just, like I rest in the arms of God and people say the universe, I just feel like there's no ounce of harm towards me. But before I realized that I was, I felt like I was being cross-examined yeah. by God and I was, and then I, then my flaws and character flaws would be brought before me and, and that the sentence of death was hanging upon me. And people would be like, yeah, as if you people really think like that. And that's just a construct of religion. would be like, yeah, well, why do you get so much pleasure out of seeing people get nuked in films? Like when you sit and watch a Jurassic Park film and you're like, oh, that guy's just got, you know, he's unraveled. Look how he's late to work. He's showing, dubbing, shoving donuts in his face. He's a slob. He's not pressing the buttons right. And then a huge dinosaurs hovering over this guy's quivering. And like, just give me mercy, please. And like, nah, he's got to yeah, come. Like, got to go. He's overweight. And it's like, did you not associate he, that the good looking guy, like he's less, you know, but the, this guy, he's got to go. And then this other girl, she's really mean to people and she's just rude and, inst- you know, she insults people and she's got to go. No, but she just, she can't go just a regular way. She's got to get torn up by pterodactyls yeah. and then eaten by a big sea monster and just completely have it. And because you're sitting there with your judge's hammer, just going, die, die, die. And it's your picture of God. And then as soon as you go, God will never harm me. He only ever loves me. He'll never, ever do anything against me. And you're like, then I turn the same film on. I go, this is the most traumatizing thing. I, why does it entertain me? I am a, like, I am such a traumatized human being. I've completely misunderstood love. And that is what has made me a harsh husband and a harsh father. And well, thankfully my son was born after I went through these things. So I ended up like very much a softer version. So my wife would tell you it's like a different person, which is surprising because often religion doesn't make people into better people. It makes people into either harsher versions of themselves or um, sometimes it you know, brings out good in people. Often it does in certain characteristics, but yeah, anyway, like it definitely brought out the best in me, uh, which I'm really thankful for because, you know, it's just not nice. Like we could have had a divorce a million times over just, not being able to work through our issues and just seeing my little boys be able to like be raised in a family of love and people that don't like scream at each other and uh, shout cuss words at each other because that was us. We couldn't resolve our issues. We had so much trauma. And then we worshipped a God subconsciously without us really realizing that was um, just fire and poison and, and harm. And then when we just after studying the Bible uh, and meditating and thinking about these things and, and then just feeling this weight lifted off and then realizing that, wow, like I, I don't need to treat people like this at all. Like only love should be in my, it can be, not even a should, but like only desire for love to be in my heart towards everyone. And yet it causes me to hold everyone that I love, which is all humanity. Like, God help me. Right. So I say that God help me. Because I'm not saying it comes naturally. I still have to die daily, as Paul talks about, where he says, like, we, you know, you die to self daily. But um, but that is what gives me, like, courage and gives me the, the passion because then I, out of my love for people, I hold people to their highest 
self and that means that I stand up against these mandates and I will fight tooth and nail. But the way that I fight is in like like the same way I believe, hopefully in the example of Desmond Doss, we fight in love and we hold people to the highest possible standard, but we don't do it in a state of condemnation. We we simply are standing up because because we're not willing to judge these children as worthy of death. We don't say, oh, these children deserve to get injected with these poisons. Humanity needs to sacrifice. There's sometimes there has to be a culling of the population. The world's overpopulated. Someone must die. Someone must suffer. I don't believe any of that. That all comes from worshipping the wrong God. Think about it. Even the world, the belief that the earth is overpopulated comes directly from the belief that God wants to exterminate people. Yeah. Um, Charles Darwin was a genocidist. He gen- genocided the entire Tasmanian opera- ab- Aboriginal people. And, uh, Hitler used Darwin's philosophies. He was a strong Darwinist and taught that Stalin was um, Pol Pot's, uh, the Khmer Rouge. They were all Darwinistic survival of the fittest eugenics operations that had their basis in that uh, humanity was uh, disposable. Um, and so these were the, the these were the kinds of concepts, but they linked directly to an image of God. Or like when I say God, just think source, um, or origins, uh, yeah. the value of humanity. That it has all deep links to that. And then once you get that off, then all these things can make sense. But then it stops making sense. And the only decree can be one of love and acceptance. And so that because of that, I'm not willing to stand for these agendas that have their basis in corrupt things and uh, images of hatred and violence and death and condemnation, which I'm saying, no, there will be no condemnation. And therefore, we must stand against the tyranny. Uh, I think I think it's beautifully said that, again, with like the charity thing, I remember I used to think in like college, if I would go bring like ramen noodle to like a homeless shelter or something, I used to think like, oh, this is good karma. I'm like, good things are going to happen to me because of this. Or, you know, if I do mean things, mean things are going to happen to me because of this. But I remember having a realization in like 2016 or something. And I was like, oh, wait, the good karma is that instantaneous feeling you get when you go give food to a homeless shelter and you go, oh, I'm capable of love. Like it's, it's, it's not that it goes around, comes around. It's instantaneous. That is the reward. And when you're mean to someone, you don't go, oh, there's going to be some negative karma. No, it's like you said, you judge someone and you instantly realize you're capable of judgment and condemnation which means it's it's already back on you. Oh no, if I die. And one one last point I wanted to get to is when you said, uh, yeah, we think we're going to be good this whole life. And then once I get to the afterlife, then I'm going to, that's what I'm going to, that's what I'm going to be a good guy. That is like, as uh, absurd. yeah, bad through your life and then good yeah. guy in the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is abs- as absurd as like new year's resolutions where it's like on January 1st, I'm just going to wake up and not be a fat ass. I'm just going to have the willpower to work out and not eat donuts. And it's like, it's just another day. I know on our calendar, it's a big thing. It's just the sun rising, the birds chirping. All of a sudden, I'm going to have the willpower to go to the gym. It's like, yeah, man, If take your experience from New Year's resolutions and apply that to some sort of spiritual growth at the threshold of death. Just start now. Just It'll be so much easier. So that's kind of my logic. But um, Love it, man. That's yeah, just man. for real. Thanks for talking, man. That was fun. That was super fun. I hope you enjoyed it. For real, man. Oh, thank you. I appreciate your perspectives. Like yeah. super cool. Like it, it's, it's really cool. Like you're, you're operating on like a bunch of those wavelengths and we're coming at it from different angles and different you know ways and understandings. And I really appreciate you being able to interact with that because a lot of people would just be like, bro, no, kill them all. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know, and, I know, and right? I, I, 
and I can't talk them off the ledge. I'm like, I'm not even going to try, but I, but I, you know, I don't know what circumstances they're being through, but I'm just, they're, I'm just saying, look, they're in the dark apartment. They're in exactly. the dark apartment. They're going like to come into the sun when they want to. You can't pull them out. Yeah. You're right. You're right about it. Exactly. And just, you can only just say little, little things here and there and just, just go, little okay. tiny nudges. And all you can yeah. really do is just put your picnic, like your picnic blanket out in like the sun and just be like, well, I'm here. If you would like to join me, we're out in the sun. If you've not, yeah. you can't force them. Every once in a while, I'll be like, got some lemonade. You know, you can't force it on them though. Eventually, mm-hmm. whether in a year or a hundred million millennia, I think eventually they come out of the sun. They come out into the sun. That's, that's really all you can do. And you just have to, you just have to live and love from the standpoint of being out in the sun, being like, well, I know you're cold in there, and I know you wish coldness on me, but we're listening to some music on the beach. It's out here if you want to come. And I think that's really mm. all it is, which is pretty beautiful. But that guy did agree to kick back I get kick back an hour or so. Now I got to do a third podcast. My brain's cooked, so yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to dig deep and do this one. But um, right, bro. I'll, pray, I'll pray for you, man. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, uh text me any like links or anything to social media and websites you want me to put in the description i'll put it in there it'll be uploaded later tonight and uh, i would love to have you back on sometime man i'd love that tommy thank you and i appreciate the the invitation and for wanting me back on i'd love to absolutely much love brother thank you so much for coming on stay safe stay safe everybody thank you peace